Destiny uh, turns eight today. And uh, so, after uh, reading as we uh, typically do, uh, we're going to have my daughter Destiny. Uh, she's going to come up this morning, and her mother's going to assist her, uh, and she's going to do our scripture reading. So if you can stand to your feet and encourage her with a real big smile, uh, that'll be helpful, I assure you. You can have her stand away, have her look at her. Get money, I'll be reading Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the warriors of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Amen. Amen. Very good. Amen. Let's pray. While you're standing, let's pray. Father, we do love you. Uh, Lord, all of you, none of me. Uh, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Father God, I pray for a sensitivity in the spirit. Um, Lord God, that we would hear your voice this morning. Uh, Lord, we, we are hungry for your word. Father, we thirst for you. We want to be better, and we want to know you better. And I pray, Father, that you would use my vocal cords, use this clay for your glory, Father, and speak to the hearts and the minds of your people in such a way that they will know that you have spoken and we will understand the depth and the height of your love that you have for each and every one of us. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of of the Lord. I'm a country boy. I grew up um, south of here, um, just outside of, uh, just actually between Petersburg and Virginia Beach, the Hampton Roads area. Now, there's a lot of people who have gotten to know me. One of the things I constantly hear all the time is that you don't really seem that country. Uh, you know, I've never really gotten into pig feet. Uh, I've never really got into ham hocks. Uh, I never, I hear you. Uh, I, I never got into all of the, the stuff the country boys do. So I'm kind of an, an anomaly. I'm kind of strange in that way. Um, but I, I can remember this, this one time uh, that, because country people like to fish. You know, if you're a country boy, you like to hunt. You know, you like to fish. And... I didn't like to shoot. Believe it or not, every time I heard a gun, I would run for the hills. I didn't want to eat. I was afraid. Uh, and so this one time I went fishing and I had an opportunity to fish. And then the, the fish, they, they say fish don't bite. But I believe that this was the fish that bit me because I went to get this fish out of the water. And we was out there fishing. And ever since then, I just kind of stayed away from fishing. Now, people that fish, they tell me, they said, well, fishing is one of the the greatest things that you could ever do. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's relaxing. And I say, God bless you. That's good. But I've always had a problem with touching anything that's slimy in my hands. Now, I would eat all the fish that you can cook. Um, but, uh, but that's about as far as I would go. Well, one of the things about fishing, they tell me, is that in order to catch fish, you have to have, obviously, uh, a line. You have to have some bait. 
Um, I would imagine that for those who are fishermen, are, are there any people that like to fish in here? Okay, okay, so you, so y'all can help me. Uh, but I imagine that it would be next to impossible, or at least very difficult, to be able to catch fish without bait. And and so, the bait is very very important because when when you drop that bait into the water, the fish kind of looks at that bait, and that bait is designed to lure them to make them think that if you get a hold of this meat or whatever, this worm, or whatever else they put on the bait. If you get a hold of this, then it will be the best thing for you. And so the fish sees the food, he grabs hold of the food, and before the fish knows it, it's hooked. And you ever seen when they pull the fish up out of the water, and you, and you bring it in on the boat or on the shore or whatever, you ever notice that they just are going, they're crazy. They're like flabbing all, floundering all over the place because they're losing oxygen. And then finally, the fish ends up, ends up dying because the fish did not have a clue that the bait was not for its benefit. The bait was there to hook them and so that they could be eaten. In other words, their destruction. Now, let me preface what I'm going to say with, with this. Understand something. Spiritual warfare is alive and well in our culture and throughout the world. Now, how many know that Satan is a baiter? If you don't know that, then I can tell you, that you are susceptible to his tricks and his schemes. And so what Satan does is that he is constantly trying to harass our lives and mislead us and misguide us outside of the will of God for our lives. Because if you say if he can't do anything about your salvation, but what he can do, he can make life really difficult for you by leading you outside of what it is that God has for your life. And a lot of people, a lot of believers, they, they don't quite understand it because I believe that in some ways that we look at our enemies as something that we have to see. And if we don't really see it, then we don't really think much about it. You ever ask yourself when things just kind of happen in your life, you say, where in the world is all of that and stuff just happened and you're trying to figure out? Let me tell you, if you're a child of God, I can tell you what's happening. The devil is trying to stir up your life. He wants to always stir things up because his number one goal at this point is to try to make you and me ineffective, and if he can shut our mouths, or if he can misguide us or mislead us, we'll be like the fish that got hooked. There are many Christians that get hooked, and they're left floundering trying to get unhooked, and you can spend a lot of years trying to get unhooked from a decision that you made, and you're sitting there, and you're trying to figure out, how did I get here? Because how many know that Satan doesn't play fair? And what he will do is he, the Bible says that he disguises himself. As an angel of light. In other words, just like debate, he comes across like, and, and, you know, and you know, most people think Satan, when Satan comes at you, he don't come at you like 
in a way that you know is Satan, right? You know, you know the, the little red guy with the picked fork? And, you know, that they show that, that, let me see, he ain't that. But Satan always, what he does is he takes that which is good and he tries to pervert it and use that to lead us outside of the will of God. You see, life is full of choices. Life is full of choices. And so then, understanding that Jesus said this, that my sheep hears my voice. Another voice they will not follow. So then what that tells me is that it is extremely important that we understand what God sounds like. Because there's a lot of voices out there. It looks like Jesus. It sounds like Jesus. But when you really pull back the covers, it's not really Jesus at all. And unfortunately, too many of us don't quite understand that. I've known people, for an example. Now, now hear, hear me when I say this. It'll make sense to you as we go forward. But, you know, there's opportunities that are always coming before you all the time, right? You have opportunities for job promotion. You have opportunity to relocate. You have to choose where you're going to live. You've got to choose where you've got to work. You've got to choose where you're going to eat. You, every day, you're making so many choices in life. And you got to understand something. That Satan, that God has a plan. How many know that God has a plan for your life? Jeremiah 29, 11. The Bible says, God, he says, I have a plan for you. So Satan knows that there's a, a plan that is mapped for your life. He knows that. And so what he wants to do is he'll dangle things in front of you and say, come. You know, you really don't need to be with that husband of yours, that wife of yours, because they, they really love you and really appreciated you. They, they, they will treat you this way. And so what he does, he dangles. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to pull you outside of the blessing. We talked in our discipleship class, we talked about, say that this is the, the realm of God, that, that as long as we are aligned with God, then we're in perfect position. But when we move outside of the alignment of God, then what happens is we become a target. We become a target. And the enemy is kind of like being, and so those of you who are in the military, it's kind of like being on a battlefield and, and, and you're kind of standing, you feel much safer. You know, you know I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a policeman. So I feel much safer when I run with the U.S. Marshals and all of us are together. I feel real good when there's 15 of us going into battle. Like it. But, 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 but every now and then I find myself out there by myself and I feel a little bit naked. I feel a little bit exposed. Uh, uh, I'm not as safe because I don't have a covering, you see. And it's something about being under the covering of God. And some folks make their decisions in life based on, watch this. Some people say, oh, well, if, if, if there's a job promotion, an opportunity for me to have more money, that must be of God, right? So I'm going to take that job because some people equate the blessing of God, the move of God by money. Well, every, can I submit to you that every opportunity, every promotional financial benefit does not mean that it is from God. 
does not mean that. Now, it could be. But, you know, if, if, let's say, for example, if things of this world become your passion in life, then how do you know that Satan will work through that? Because, because he knows that, that you like stuff and your motivation is to make all the money that you can make. And so what would he do? He will constantly put money in front of you. You could be right on the precipice of your blessing. You can be right here, ready to go into your blessing. And Satan would come right at the last minute and he will just, hey, you know, it's better here. You follow me? This is a, this is a better opportunity. And, 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 and we forget that we're in spiritual warfare. And so then I got to learn how to process and to learn how to hear God's voice. Now, hearing God's voice doesn't come to you just because you've been saved. Hearing God's voice comes from time that you spend in his word, in his presence, in fellowship. The more you do it, the more you hear. Because I can promise you that there are a lot of voices that are out there and Satan will do whatever he can to keep our lives in disarray. And we can sit back and, you know, the Bible, there's a a, a scripture in the Bible that says that we ever learn but never come to a knowledge of the truth. Because there's spiritual warfare and the enemy is constantly, he's trying to lure. And I want to show you how dirty he is. I want to show you from the word of God that, that every opportunity, because if you understand how Satan worked, you won't be moved by him. You won't be deceived by him because you kind of figure things out because tell me, you know, there's a methodology to what Satan does. There's a way that he functions and it, you will be amazed that it has not changed since the beginning of time. How Satan worked. It has not changed. And he is still doing it today. Appealing to our senses, to our minds, to our emotions. You see, nothing has changed. Now, look, look at it in Ephesians chapter six. My daughter read that verse. I, I just want to I want to I, I need to lay this foundation. It talks about how that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So sometimes we tend to think, how many of you have ever looked at people and looked at them as the enemy? Right? You look at people and you automatically assume that they are the enemy. Let me tell you something. If you are born again, washed in in, in Jesus' blood, there are some principalities, there are some spiritual wickedness operating in high places. And let me tell you something. It doesn't stop. The Bible, I put it this way. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Does anybody have any problem with that? Understanding that. He has nothing in us. He doesn't like us. And so what he does, he can't tamper with your salvation. But boy, if I can just keep you from being effective, if I can keep you from bringing more Christians, I will do what I got to do. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to appeal to your senses. I'm going to dangle things in front of you that look like it's for your benefit. But in actuality, it's not. You're fighting against principalities 
and spiritual wickedness in high places. Says he, he is a liar and he's a father of lies. I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me. He is a father of lies. Boy, that means that every lie originated from Satan. That means he constantly is whispering lies all the time. Yeah, she don't, she don't really love you. She really loves you. She, she would have got up and cooked breakfast for you this morning. Those kids don't really care about you. Those people don't really love you. If they really did, they, you know, they would respond differently. Hey, you, you deserve, Brother Larry, you deserve better. You, you deserve a little bit better. And how me know the way you combat lies is with truth? Truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you what? Free. Free. That's why the Bible talks about part of the full armor of God is just, just the, the breastplate of righteousness, your loins girded with truth. Because you're fighting an enemy that will lie and he will deceive at every count to try to lure you from where God wants you to be. Young people, you all got to hear me because there will be many opportunities for all of you as you grow up. And it's important that you cultivate a relationship with God that you will practice and begin to train yourself to listen for God's voice. It's important. Now, look at Genesis chapter number three, verses numbers one through six. Now, we're going to go through these scriptures, and I'm going to show you from the from the word of God, how the enemy hasn't changed his tactics. How many know Satan hasn't changed his tactics? That's different face, different time. He ain't changed. That's why I hate him. I don't like him. Anybody here agree with me? You don't like, I, I, I don't like him. I hate him. I can't wait. I mean, I can't wait until he is, he is finished. Fine. Finish. But sometimes you just got to get mad enough. The kingdom of God suffer violence, but the violence take it by force. But look, look, look what he does. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I mean, God, I mean, after all, God didn't really say that. I mean, why would God put a beautiful tree in the middle of the garden? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, God didn't really say that even, you know, <laughs> You know, God, God put that tree there. I mean, really, if you really think about it, there's, a mis, there's an interpretation problem. I mean, no, the devil used that a lot. That's just your interpretation. If I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that, boy, I would be able to change the world ten times over with all that money. It's an interpretation problem. But watch what he says. And the woman, verse 2, said to the serpent, now, she knew. Now, 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 listen to this. She knows. Now, we may eat of the free fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, you should not eat it, nor shall you touch it. He didn't really say that, but lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows, God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. So watch this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food 
that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of his fruit. She ate. She also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate. Now, what was Satan's goal? God, they had perfection. The Garden of Eden. I mean, they had it so men. They communicated with God. You know, there was a time the Bible said the men had to call on the name of the Lord. You know, nowadays you got to see God. You know, you got to call on the name of the Lord. And how many of you feel like praying all the time? How many of you just like to be able to just have a come, just talk and not have to fast? Just, just, you know, that happened because of the fall. Because that just goes to show how, how separate, how, how far we've fallen away from God. But, but, but it was that, that they, they would just have a, God would just be walking with them in the garden and they would just communicate. There was no barrier. And then comes sin. And what was Satan trying to do all the while? He saw that they were in the place of blessing. As long as they stayed here, there wouldn't be any reason for us to be having a church service talking about winning souls today. Wouldn't be any reason for that. But because Satan appealed to their natural senses, surely, God, you, you, can, you can have this fruit. I mean, God didn't really say that. It's a, misunder, it's a misunderstanding. And the Bible says she saw it. She said, oh, it looks good. And, you know, and I kind of agree. I mean, after all, God wouldn't give me anything that's bad for me. And, 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 and perhaps he might be right. Maybe God is. Maybe God holding something back that, 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 that I'm making it. And, 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 and I don't want to be deprived of that. So she took of the fruit and ate it. And when she did, when she took her and Adam, because he was with her, took that fruit, at that moment, they slid from underneath the covering, the place of blessing. And judgment came on the whole world, the whole world, because of that one act. And what was Satan trying to do? I want, you, I want you to see how dirty he is. He, all he was trying to do was lie to her, and, and he used something that wasn't evil. I mean, he didn't say commit murder. He just said, go eat the fruit. What's wrong with the fruit? What's the big deal? I mean, it's a piece of fruit for God's sake. I mean, eat the thing. How's it going to hurt you? That's how he appeals. It doesn't seem, it's harmless. It's harmless. But it was for their life. It was for their life. Now turn with me to Luke chapter number four. Y'all staying with me? Luke chapter four. Now watch this. Luke chapter four. Now, let's dissect this a little bit. Verses one through 13. Now I want you to stay with me. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to hear this. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled, all right? Returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit. What was he led by? The Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by who? The devil. 40 days. Now watch this. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And then watch. Watch when the devil comes to him. And the devil said to him, if, if you are the son of God, then, then do me a favor. Uh, can you turn these stones, turn these stones into bread? 
But verse 4, but Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now understand how Satan comes. Satan comes when he thinks that we are at our, at our most weakest point, when we're vulnerable, when we're tired. So that's why one of the things it's important to do is, how many know it's important to have a disciplined life? You go to bed at a good hour. Y'all pray for me. I'm getting there. Pray for me. But you go to bed at a good hour. You eat properly. Because how many know that you make some of your most profound mistakes when you're tired or when you're in an emotional situation and the devil tries to hurry? You know, everything about the devil is hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. But I find the more I live my life, the more, the longer I live my Christian life with God, I discover that God usually operates at a much slower pace than I want to operate. Because for me, I like to just go at it. But he comes to Jesus when he perceives that he's weak. He says, you're hungry, aren't you? I mean, I mean, God will want you to have some steak. I mean, you haven't eaten for 40 days. I mean, so why don't you go ahead and, 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 and eat? And, but, but Jesus knew the word. Now, let, let me say this by way of side note. If Satan came after Jesus this way, do you not think that he would come at you too? What makes you think you're exempt? Jesus said about, he said, look, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. You are one with him. You are the body of Christ. You gave your life to Jesus, so that means you are connected with his body, so you are one and the same. And if he came and he persecuted and he tried to deceive Jesus, don't think that he will not try and deceive you. The devil taking him up on a high mountain, verse 5, showed him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. Wow. And the devil said to him, oh, watch this. Listen to what the devil says. Listen. He says, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Now, let, let, let me say something to you. I want you to hear this. Now, Satan comes to him, and, and he's trying to appeal to what he thinks that man has a problem. Because, you know, man has a problem with the pride of life, what he sees, things. And he says, look, he shows them, the Bible says he shows them all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. In other words, Jesus, you cannot only just have a section, but you can have the whole thing. I will give it all and the authority of it all to you. If you will just worship me. Now, if Jesus was being led by his flesh, if Jesus was all about things and, and power and authority, I mean, know that he probably would have jumped on that because many believers are that way. They are led by their flesh. They are led by what they see and what appears good to them. But you can't tempt. Listen, first of all, you got to know who you are. Because, listen, Jesus was, you know, Jesus, the Bible says that the whole earth, we talked about that in our class this morning. The Bible says that the, in, in Colossians 1, that he created it all. You can't give me devil what I already own. Some of that just went right over your head. The devil can't tempt me with that which I already, I already own it all. 
I already have authority over all of it. So you can't tempt me with that. But see, if you're led by that stuff, then it becomes your slave and you are master to it. And thereby the devil will always dangle things in front of you because you're led by that. But you can't touch me. You can't bother me because I already know who I am. Now, here, here's the revelation. The Bible says the meek will inherit the what? Earth. So if he owns it, guess who else owns it? You own it. So we get all fed. I want to get me a nice, I want to get a bigger this and bigger that and bigger that. You already own it all anyway. You already own it all. So what's the fuss about? Because he knows that many people don't know. And so they don't know who they are. That's why it's important to know. Who, who are you? When you realize that you, this is all mine anyway. I already have authority. I've been given authority. It all belongs. And so you can't tempt me, devil, with that which I already have. So, you need, so Jesus says, look, look, it is written, don't tempt the Lord thy God. So, 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 so Jesus, he knew the word. How many know we ought to know the word? Amen. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you in verse 6, in their glory. Therefore, if you will worship me, verse 7, all will be yours. What was the devil after? Worship. If you will worship me, I will give it all to you. And Jesus answered and said to him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him you shall serve. But then, how I many know the devil didn't stop there? He brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you. Perversion. See, he uses the word because, see, that's how the enemy will appeal to you. He, you. he will come to you and say, well, it's the word of God. It's the word. Use the word. See, he used the word, but there was a, just enough perversion in there to twist it to get Jesus to do something that would have been outside of the will of God. But how do you know Jesus didn't do it? Amen. And Jesus answered and said to him, it is, verse 12, it has been said you should not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, you would think he would have left Jesus alone for good, right? What did the scripture say? He departed from him until on what? In other words, that's another way of saying he's coming back. Look at the neighbors, he's coming back. And no matter where you are in God, no matter where you are, no matter you know, how many years you've been saved, the devil is always going to try to come back and harass your life. Because he don't want you to reach your destiny. He doesn't want you to reach the place that God has for you. See, oftentimes, now watch this. Now I want you to listen to me. Listen very carefully. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch this. Oftentimes, the road to your destiny comes through hard things. Amen. The road to your destiny because we already established that God has a plan for all of us. He has a plan for your life. He's mapped it out. Jeremiah 29, 11. Love that verse. Incredible verse. Bible says he has a plan for you and for me. But oftentimes that plan is not always pleasurable. We spend a great deal of our time trying to avoid hard things, don't we? In fact, some believers even go to this, we go to this extreme. 
if God is in it, then it will be it will be easy. If God is really in it, I mean, obviously God ain't in this because it's, it's, it's hard and nothing is happening. So, so obviously God is not in it. Oftentimes, when God is about to bring you into your greatest destiny, you're going to experience your greatest trial. Amen. Your greatest trial. Now, Children of Israel, they get delivered out of Egypt, right? They're out of Egypt. Boy, they're celebrating. They're dancing because God struck down Pharaoh. And, man, they're, they're going and they're headed to their place of destiny. And all of a sudden, they face this body of water. And they look behind them. And they say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. And they're looking at the water. And they're looking out and they see Pharaoh is right on their backs. He's right there. And they're like, well, obviously... And, and, and everybody starts screaming and crying. And God says, tell the people, stop crying. Tell them, keep moving. Because they were, there, they, they were prepared to freeze, surrender, and say, obviously, whatever we danced about, whatever we praised God about, it wasn't going to happen. And God, God had to send a message, tell the folks to keep going, because I made a provision for that. Because they were sitting there thinking to themselves that, 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 that maybe we missed it. May, 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 maybe, and, but they didn't realize that, that they were right on the edge of their biggest blessing. Amen. Amen. Right. The, 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 the sea was about, how many know when the sea parts and you walk on dry land? Amen. Is there a bigger miracle? Amen. They were right there. They could have gotten to the point. They could have said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm going to go back. I'm going to stop. No, 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 no. Favor, you can have us. Devil won. He'd quit. You get that. And, 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 but, but, but if they keep moving, things, God makes a way out of Amen. no way. That's right. Amen. That's good. That's right. He sure does. And boy, I, can, I wish I was there to experience that. The sea. I mean, that thing just opened up. And how many of you have ever seen the Ten Commandments? They tried hard to, to redo that thing, but it didn't do it any justice. But I remember as a kid watching Charleston Heston, and I looked at it, I said, whoo, man, what a mighty God. I knew enough of it. I said, that's a miracle. But the devil don't want you to experience a miracle. He wants you to, he wants you to keep thinking, to keep thinking that, that, that you know what, you, you know, it's, it's, too, it's, it's too hard. You know, yes, it was hard getting delivered. It was hard having to go through. It's hard to go through, the, through, a, through a desert for all those years and there's serpents and snakes and you're hungry and the kids are crying. It's hard. I know some of us look at that. We say, yeah, if that was me in the Bible in those days, I saw those miracles. I would never been screaming, hollering, and talking about wanting to go back to Egypt. I submit to you, you would have done the exact same thing. Because we get crazy now when our kids go berserk. And we live in a wealthy land. And we get, they get on my nerve. Right? So, so this concept. And Matthew Chapter 26, verses 36 and 42, Jesus said this. Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here and go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter 
and the two sons of Zebedee, and, all, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciple and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Now, watch this. How many know that Jesus had a destiny? He knew that he was called to take on the sins of the world. He knew. He knew. I mean, it, it wasn't like a revelation. He didn't get it later in life. He knew exactly what God had called him to do. He knew what his purpose was. He understood it. He wasn't sad. He knew exactly what God had called him to do. And if Jesus had the attitude that, 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 that you know what, it, it's, it's too hard. You know, this obviously God cannot be, God can't be in this because, you know, I got to be separated from him. And surely God wouldn't want me to be separated from him. Why, you know, I take on the sins of the whole world. I mean, that's that's one thing. But but to go through this, he says, Lord, listen, I know this is what you want me to do. But 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 if it's possible, can you let this cup pass from me? I don't want to do this. But then he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as as you will. You see. In order for him to reach his destiny, he had to go through some hard suffering. Alert, alert. Watch this. As a Christian, some of you might say, well, that's it. Pastor Crazy, he lost it, okay? He is often, I'm going to say something today that will be controversial. I got everybody's attention now, right? God called you and I to suffer. Do you know suffering is part of your calling? You don't hear that because we attract to things that are easy. We don't want to do the hard work. We don't want to do the labor. We don't want to go through the hardness of things. We want the glory, but we don't want to experience what it takes to get there. But oftentimes, in order to get where God wants you to be, you've got to go through some hard stuff. And too many cream puff believers... They buckle at the knees, and we struggle with offenses. You didn't tell me I was sorry today. People are dying, don't know Jesus, going to hell even as I speak. And we're fussing about, you didn't say hi to me today. You you see what the devil does? Priorities. He mix it up. He mix it up. So he don't mind. So he keeps you divided. But, but, but Jesus had to go through some things. Look at, look at the apostle, apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Uh, verses number 22 through 33. And we're almost done. But the apostle Paul. Think about this. Apostle Paul. How many of you say apostle Paul was anointed by God? <laughs> apostle Paul was called. Uh, Paul said in Galatians. He said, I didn't receive this gospel. This revelation I got. He said, I didn't get it from no man. He said, God gave me this. I spent 14 years. I've been spending time in God's presence. I mean, Paul had encounters, and the Bible says that Paul saw things in the spirit that he couldn't even come back in the natural and talk about it. How do we know that brother got some deep revelation? And that brother was well connected to God. There was not a man who was more, who, who was anointed like the Apostle Paul, other than Christ. 
Paul had an anointing. That brother was called, and we read his books today. But if many of us knew, if God told us up front what you had to go through and what the Apostle Paul, if he knew what he had to go through, you know, I, I, I don't know what would have happened. Many of us, if we, if we know what we got to go through in order to, if God says, okay, you're going to have to go through this in order to get that, I, I wonder if we do it. That's why a lot of times the Bible says to just shall live by faith. God don't show you stuff. Because if he showed you stuff, you couldn't handle it. Look at the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, you got, you got the verse? He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Watch this. I'm in labors, more abundant. So he worked harder than anybody. In stripes above measure. He's been beat. In prisons more frequently. This is after his conversion to Christ. Called in the ministry. God called in the ministry. I ain't supposed to be in prison. I mean, I'm called to preach out there, not locked up. Watch what he says. What, where are, we? Are, are, are they ministers of Christ? I speak of the food. Am I more? In labors, in more abundant, in stripes, above measure, in prisons, more frequently, in death often. In other words, his life was constantly in abandon, in the, uh, hanging in the balance. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in dangers of waters, in dangers of robbery, in dangers of my own countrymen, in dangers of the Gentile, in dangers in the city, in pearls in the wilderness, in dangers in the sea, in dangers among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, and fasting often, and cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, you ain't finished yet. <laughs> what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Now, if God told you that I was calling you to that, how many of you would jump on the front line and say, Lord, I'm ready? How many of you would jump on that? Let me, let, me, let me go first, God. You know how the kids, you, when they were, you were in school, you know, when they got ready to line up for the lunch? You know, we used to fight, boy, to get up in the line. Boom, boom. And I've seen people go to blows in the lunch line. Like the food's going, so well, like ain't going to be no, enough. I never had a time when it wasn't enough. But, boy, we fight to get in the lunch line. How many of us would be fighting for that? But, see, you see our perspective. But yet, we would look at the Apostle Paul. We said Paul was called, but do we really understand what Paul was called to? And, and, and we look for the now Paul could Paul had to be focused. If somebody would have came to Paul and said, Paul, uh, uh, I will give you this and that so you won't even have to go to jail. I will make it easy for you to do ministry. I'll make it. I'll make it so, Paul, you won't have to go through a thing. I mean, know if Paul was subject to that, then he probably would have been led astray outside of the will of God. Because God's design was for him. To go through what he go through. And, and, and all, I'm trying to say, all I'm trying to say in a nutshell is Romans 8.29. And I'm done with this verse. What is God's number one agenda? Most people think God's number one agenda is to make them happy. I had a, I had a brother tell me one time, God don't want me to be in this marriage because I ain't happy. I just looked at him. I ain't saying I just looked at him like, <laughs> brother, you know, the whole thing is about sacrifice. 
The whole thing is about dying to yourself. The whole Christian life is about hardship. This was never easy. There was a reason why the Bible says endure hardness as a good soldier. Did anybody know why the Bible said that? There's an implication there that it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. The devil will see to that. God's number one agenda is to conform us to the image of Christ and not to make you happy. God said, watch this. God wants to kill you on a regular basis. Oh, pastor just taught some heresy. He just preached that God want to kill me. No, he want to he want to kill that fleshly man. He want to kill your own your own will, your your own stubbornness, your own way. He want to kill it on a regular basis because God is more concerned about your character. You see, the Bible says your gift. You can be gifted, highly anointed. I mean, you know, there's a lot of great leaders or great preachers that are gifted and anointed, but 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 uh, they're they're scoring today because the Bible says your room will make your gift will make room for you. But I'm going to add something to that. And I'm not adding a scripture, but just a scriptural. Your gift will make room for you, but your character will keep you there. Your gift will make room. See, some of the men, they already got that yesterday. Y'all got the early part. But your gift will make room for you, but your character will keep you there. God is more concerned about your character and making you more like Jesus, which means if don't pray, let me tell you something. Let me give you a warning. Do not, now this is a deep message, but watch this. Don't pray you want to be like Jesus unless you really want to be like Jesus. Because when you say that I want to be like Jesus, oh, trust me, the devil is going to, he's going to put that to the test real quick. You say you want to be like Jesus? Really? Really? You want to be like him? Paul said, Paul said, I want to know him. Paul said, I want a fellowship with his suffering. I said, now, Paul, it got to a level that I'm still trying to get to. But I, every time I read that, I, I, I just swallow. Because Paul said, I want a fellowship with his suffering, and I want to go through, I want to go through exactly what, what he went through. And if you understood what Jesus went through, oh, hard, hard. But, but we got so many Christians that that's all about with the easy way. And, and, and the devil's always just dangling stuff. I can't make it easier for you. You better know, you better learn how to listen to the voice of God. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed.